Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first special Greg vs. Cerise uh, Thunderdome showdown. They're going to be killing each other uh, in the in the rigorous field of Marxist-Leninist uh, debate. Does everyone want to introduce themselves? <laughs> I mean, Greg, you people probably know Greg. You guys but... know who I am. Cerise. <laughs> yeah, Cerise, you should know. You should know Cerise. You should know me. I guess if you don't, I am Cerise. I'm um, the public intellectual half of Big Soy Naturals. You might also know me from my work as the former CEO of Quibi. Um, <laughs> and I feel like uh, if if we're you know to to start off our debate, should we? Are we assuming that we're both Marxist-Leninists? Yeah, Do we want to get more specific about? Yeah, I, I mean, I am. I am. Too. I am just a Marxist-Leninist, <laughs> but Greg, Greg, for all I know, could be like, I don't know. You could be a card-carrying member of the Squads fan club. You could be a Trotskyist, a member of party membership, right here. <laughs> yeah, a member of the Socialist Alternative, um, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> no, I'm I'm also just a Marxist-Leninist. Which is, like, I think that the idea behind this debate was that um, instead of listening to your dumb family argue about politics and you have to try to convince your family about the merits of, like, sexual mutual aid or whatever it is that, like, leftists do on Thanksgiving, <laughs> yeah. um, you can listen to us argue instead. And, but we, we might we might end up having the same position on everything, which... Which would be good and possible. correct. So listen yeah. up, everybody. Yeah, it would, it would just prove the immortal science uh, correct even further. <laughs> Although I, I will just preface this with I I know for a fact you're wildly more well read than I am. I, That's true, but I'm also three years older than or two years older than you, so I have two more years of reading. I get that yeah, I've you, gotten. You gotta I have up. all the books, and I think I've opened this one <laughs> once. <laughs> we, we spend too much time watching football. Uh, to <laughs> which uh, participating in capital, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I think that like watching football is a form of community building, which is the first step to community organizing. You gotta have something to connect. Yeah, to the proletariat with. You can't just come off the bat being like, we gotta seize the means of production. You gotta say, go birds, and then they say, go birds, and then you say, damn, it seems like your boss really sucks. Um. Well, and that's that's called organizing then, everywhere, yeah. sweetie. And then, like, right there, right there, in between those things, after you say "go birds," you usually burn down half the city. <laughs> and uh, Fetterman actually won his uh, campaign against Doctor Oz by, you know, sort of using the Pittsburgh Steelers to his advantage. And also, he's just a very large guy. For which I'll the never Steelers him, yeah. and not the the Eagles. Yeah, I think he's a Steelers fan. Look yeah, he's, he's a Steelers like a troglodyte-looking Steelers fan. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start with eugenics at the beginning of the debate. But um, I think on the on the topic of winning, the way that you can decide the winner of of the Big Soy Naturals slash Gorilla Radio Show debate would be by voting with your phones. And just like in real U.S. politics, whoever gets the most money on Patreon is is the winner of the the great thanksgiving debate Absolutely. yeah for sure <laughs> that's a great idea in fact if you're in line stay in line yeah do not get out of line uh but but don't switch sides because you thought or you could you could stay yeah no, wait, wait hold on he's <laughs> allowed to cancel one Patreon yeah. for another you have to pay yeah, for both no, you if you're already for paying for one pay for both <laughs> right um but yeah uh, oh yeah, that actually gave me an idea for a question, but it's a bit less serious, and it's uh, the unfortunate wasteland of Twitter discourse. So I'll save we that. Can start for... with a funny, silly one if you if you want, Cerise. How are you feeling? Oh yeah, can we can we ask uh, or say I guess where we got our questions from so that the audience knows how to fucking participate next time? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because 
So on You guys have yeah. very bad reading comprehension, I'll say. <laughs> so we asked um our like Patreon exclusive Discord sorta um and publicly on our tumblers, uh pissvortex.tumblr.com is mine. Kamada Fry is Cerise's. True. Um you should be there should be a cross clout flow going on here. Um everyone should have the same exact amount of followers as me, which is now seventy one thousand. So uh, Greg also needs seventy one thousand followers. I have um, like forty. So we guys got some work to do. Yeah, you guys. I heard that that people will follow Greg if he posts hold. Yeah, I heard that too. Twitter <laughs> goes down, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but we, yeah, we asked for people to give us debate topics. Um, the, the girls and gays, uh, the, the Patriots and the prayer warriors, I think they gave us better questions than the radio heads did. Yeah, unfortunately, you guys have to step up your game. Yeah. We, we, I we think, have you know, the, of... the children have been left behind. <laughs> we, really, we really do have a lot of anarcho kitties and baby trots, so they, they don't have yeah. a lot of critical thinking skills to ask questions. We have some liberals. Well, if we didn't spend two years in lockdown, I don't think all these kids would be anarchists. Things, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. things have been bleak in the American education system, and yeah. I don't even know what's going on in like Europe. Reopen the Probably schools. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, let's see. Do we want to start with silly or serious? You're the moderator. Yeah, you do your thing. We'll just oh yeah. I, get, I forgot I have like authority sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's start with the silly one. Just um, bottom get ass the moderator. <laughs> um, so, have you all seen that Twitter thread of uh who is it? Chinchilla Zilla on Twitter, uh the person with the eye patch profile picture, I don't know. They Absolutely they not. made chili no. for their frat boy neighbors uh because I guess they noticed that they their trash can was exclusively filled with old pizza boxes and Uber Eats deliveries. So, um, hello. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, so where was I? So the frat boys' trash cans were sort of filled with pizza boxes and Uber Eats deliveries, the sort of thing you would come to expect from college age boys. And so Chinchilla Zilla took it upon themselves to. Um, cook a big, like, hearty pot of chili, some sort of stew, it looks like. Also Austin, get to the discourse. <laughs> so, essentially, <laughs> some people are saying, this is good, and this is how you build communism, is by being friends with your neighbors and, you know, doing community outreach and learning who's around you. But the other sort of people said, this is weird, this is creepy, this is invasive, and it's demeaning and childish. In fact, you should be arrested for bringing chili to these grown men's houses. So, my so question... what's the question? My question who's is, right? <laughs> who's, who's right here? Should you be building communism via chili? Or should you be... Um, or should this person be, like, put on some sort of list for being was, a weirdo? Was this... Austin, I think you're supposed to pick who answers first. Because yeah. that's how a debate works. Okay. You moderate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I forgot how to moderate. Um, Greg, you go first. Whose side wow. are you taking? That seems pretty sexist of you. Um... <laughs> Not... Okay. Um, no, well, I guess clarifying question here. Is this the one with, like, the 40-tweet-long thing about how it was actually ableist to ask someone to open their door to receive chili? I think so. <laughs> I guess, like, really... There's a lot of offshoot discourse. <laughs> I think the only thought here I have is that people who exclusively um, post on Twitter about how it's too hard for them to open the door to say no thank you um, should be shot. <laughs> okay. Sarice, <laughs> okay. what do you think? I have... I've got, a, I think, a few points. Number <laughs> one, you know when your, like, cat or dog brings you, like, a dead animal that they found from outside and they're, like, really proud of it mm -hmm. and you're, like this is a rat and I don't want it in my house. I think that that is basically how I feel whenever I'm made aware of Twitter discourse. Um, okay. And <laughs> um, secondly, um, the autism to racism pipeline is 
one that I don't think is, I don't think it's being discussed enough. And right. um, as I love to avoid accountability, but I think that we got to be real about what people are doing. And if you're just like only dropping that you're autistic when someone was like, hey, you did something fucked up, um, but it's not really something that's coming up otherwise, I'm not sure why I should care. Um, third, even if you don't like chili, if your neighbor brings you chili and you don't like it, does no one know about like scamming anymore? Because you could just sell it. You could sell it to someone else. Yeah. Like you, you take there's so many things you can do. If someone brings you chili and you don't want it, like throw it away. It's so easy. I mean, unless you don't have friends, like I would just text my group chat of all of the friends that I have. Mm -hmm. And I would say, hey, someone brought me food that I don't want. Does anyone want it? But maybe if you don't have friends or if you like get too anxious to call the pizza place to make a phone call, then maybe that's not something you can do. Um, but I think that we're, once again, open up the schools, we're really seeing yeah. the, the results of like what happens when people's only pastime is like content consumption and they have no idea about like building solidarity with other people. But the, the revolution will be won by the people that call the pizza place to order pizza. Honestly, okay. yeah, I really just think we're just seeing a lot of society's neuroticisms come out the longer people who were just inside for two years uh, figure out that they can make a Twitter account. and say I was more. inside for a long time. I stayed inside, but I turned out fine. I don't know how much we can blame quarantine on it and how much of it is just like Americans are very selfish and uh, look for a lot of excuses to be selfish. And I think that that like, when you develop radical politics, some people who I think are all white usually <laughs> like to use it as a way to like score points and be superior to other people rather than to like do stuff. So then when they're told to do stuff, they're like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I personally, I think it, I would call it, that. It, uh, oh. it smacks of Protestantism. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it's also just like, I, I would just call that like DSA mentality. It, it's, a, it's a lot of... It's a lot of lip service and not a lot of anything else. And it's basically exclusively built to own the libs on Twitter. It's, it's, yeah. they're no better than the MAGA guys in that regard. They're just coming at it from a completely different angle. Yeah. I would say if someone does an attempt at organizing and it doesn't go over well or it's like imperfect, um, it doesn't mean that they are now like fucked up and evil. Mm -hmm. It means maybe they need to like improve their organizing tactics. But if you only, like operate within the problematic versus non-problematic DSAS binary, then now you've got an abuser next door because they brought you some chili. Yeah. And I, you can't handle spice. I think that might take us into, ha has cancel culture gone too far? Well, no, I'm the moderator here, Greg. Let no. me. <laughs> no. I'd like to take it further. And that's why anyone who's listening can send me a gun. Um, <laughs> to my address and i am i will cancel so many people cerise can okay. rotate a 3d printed gun in their head mm -hmm. i actually i i lied when i said that i can't oh. i have no visual i've got no visual images in here what mm. i don't ha i can't i can't visualize stuff huh that's fair well anyway you send me the 3d printed gun i can visualize things <laughs> <laughs> greg can visualize the bullet trajectory through a, uh, a couple windows to his target. so From the window of the book repository directly into the back <laughs> of the head of my enemies. Okay. So um, I have two modifiers. Well, actually two things to bring up in one <clears throat> modifier. First, what if I brought up insanely annoying Twitter discourse in between the serious questions? Would, mm. would you hate that or like would you be okay? You're the moderator. You can do whatever you, can... you want, but I, yeah. I don't give okay. a fuck about Twitter discourse, but but go for You are the moderator. Okay. It's up to you. Now my my uh, modifier, and I will see you can answer this with just yes or no if this changes your answer. Does this affect your response to know that uh the Twitter thread of the chili bringer uh tried to bring the chili multiple times and they didn't answer either time? And that was when the debate really started because some people were like, oh, leave a note. They'll really appreciate it. And some people were like, you need to go away. They have anxiety and you're bothering, you're harassing them, in fact. 
So does this no. does this change anything? I, I don't think that's I care, so but, sad. Yeah. That's so sad because it's like. You know, these people don't fucking leave the house. So they're assuming that if someone comes over like twice and no one answers the door, that it's because like there's someone like crouched up in the attic, like, yeah. shiver- shivering like a chihuahua yeah. with anxiety <laughs> instead of being like, maybe they're like out like with friends yeah, or like. It's four college you know. boys, right? They're just they're like. They're not fucking home. They're asleep at 2 p.m. <laughs> yeah, they're just doing college guy things. Also, I don't open the door most of the time. Like yeah, leave it at the door. Well, you live you live with Mormons. That's true. They are always so, at the fucking door. They love to canvas. That's that's organizing. It's organizing everywhere. They yeah. have an incredibly good organizing model that I really think leftists should study and use. Yeah, that's how the Muslim Brotherhood won the uh, thing in Tahrir Square a million years ago because they're like. Islam Mormons, yeah. and they were just very organized. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's move this on. This is going to devolve into us talking about like politics and Chad. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. So, moving on. Let's do a serious one. Okay. What do we think about the Soviet Union? More specifically, did Stalin do anything wrong? Cerise, you go first. Um, I would say that Stalin did some stuff wrong in that, like, Trotsky could have been killed a lot sooner. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I think he could have taken a firmer hand with the Polish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, like, don't really like, no offense, Greg, I don't like men with mustaches because they remind me of my dad, who I like a lot, but I don't want to see other men and, like, think of my father. Yeah. So those are some things. I also feel like uh, Stalin could have... Uh, or like the Soviet Union generally, because like Stalin wasn't in power the whole time, but they could have shown like more solidarity with uh, like Latin American countries as they were like having their own revolutions. And I feel like the Soviet Union sometimes um, only got involved when it was like proxy warfare time and like could have could have been more involved. But, um, you know, overall, fine. I think that when uh, like DSA type leftists, and I'm saying leftists with a capital L Mm -hmm. and like derogatorily, Mm -hmm. when they get on their high horse about like talking about how shitty Stalin or like the USSR was, it's like, you you know that they're just trying to win some points with liberals so that they can come off as reasonable, but it's not like it is feasible for really any state to be free of critique like even one that is implementing a system that i like so i just don't feel like it's interesting to be like oh the soviet union was bad like no shit okay greg (sighs) i'm gonna sneeze hold on okay (laughs) longest sneeze ever (laughs) anyway um I, I kind of just agree with you basically on all points. I, I really think that the biggest the biggest mistake of Stalin in my eyes is is making a bit of a uh, a right turn when it comes to social social policy. Um, I think that kind of he kind of lost a little bit of the spirit of Lenin there. Um, but other than that, like the Soviet Union itself, Obviously, like Siri said, it's not without critique, but it, it also was the most successful socialist project of its time. Um, granted, it's not as successful as other revolutions, and I think people need to give that more credit. The Cuban Revolution is probably more successful than the Soviet Union ever was. Um, but uh, but again, like they they were the superpower of socialist revolutions. They did have to act on a more military footing against a very antagonistic West. And I think that they missed a lot of very golden opportunities to really build a socialist big air quotes, consumption economy that would actually have matched the living standards that the West basically spent all their money on to try and say, Oh, look, we're better than the Russians. So, I mean, they were dealt a bad card, I think in the cold war. And they did what they could. Well, <laughs> well yeah, obviously. I think, I think they did what they could with what they had. I just think that by the time by the time the late 80s rolled around, they fell into the trap that 
Imperial Russia fell into, which was they have this bloated bureaucracy run by geriatrics, gerontocracy, um, that just simply could not evolve as fast as the United States was able to evolve at that at that key moment. Oh, I I think the other thing that like gets lost a lot in the the critique of the Soviet Union is that like maybe because we're so far away from the early 1900s and because no one reads fucking books mm-hmm. and I don't know they're getting all of their information from like YouTube debaters uh Russia and like Eastern Europe generally was like deep like neck deep into feudalism and the Soviet Union like was responsible for pulling everyone like out of feudalism. So to compare it to the living standards of the West, which was like much further along in terms of like literacy and like technology and like access to like food and stuff is, is just um, unrealistic. And you know, the thing that people say all the time about Israel, that's, I mean, it's like wrong, but where they're like uh, the reason Israel has to be like that is because it's like under existential threat all the time. Like, that was actually true for the Soviet Union, where, like, from the moment the revolution happened, like, um, it was under threat by the United States and, like, other Western powers. And so we won't really ever get to know how much that, like, the Soviet Union could have actually accomplished if it wasn't um, immediately spending all of its time, like, fighting off the United States and, like, the UK and other dumb bullshit yeah white people countries yeah i I think that's like a and i think you're right obviously yeah like that pull from view like the the soviets skipped a step in the Mm -hmm. in the standard like oh you go from feudalism to capitalism to which like so did cuba yeah you know but cuba's a smaller country and the soviet union was huge yeah i i think also, Cuba threw all those white people into the blender, and that helped. Yeah, that did help a lot. Uh, it also, people don't realize, like, the proportion of GDP spent on military equipment in the Soviet Union was a lot higher than the United States. They were spending the same amount of money, but the Russians didn't have a lot extra to spare. The United States benefits from being able to trade with the whole world because it was not under siege, and it also had the advantage of being able to exploit the global south the entire time yeah um it spent a lot of money doing coups everywhere south of the equator um for 70 years to try and keep any form of social revolution from ever occurring um the russians couldn't even keep china as their friend so they really were a market unto themselves and that limits you incredibly especially when you're a country like russia where most of your Industry is based on extraction of raw materials and using those raw materials to build tanks. Um, That is like the Soviet Union's main fucking industry was building fucking T-72s for 30 years. Okay. Um, I think we're starting to agree a little bit too much. So I'm going to start to, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw a wrench in here. Okay. Um, Nice. Let's see. Uh, I'm just going to guess what you guys might disagree on. Let's start with. Are pansexuals different from bisexuals? <sighs> Greg, you go first. <laughs> yeah, weigh in. Um, damn, I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna get like canceled for having bad takes on this, but this is literally a debate. <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily think so, and I'm gonna be very careful <laughs> in how I try and describe this. I think no sudden movements <laughs> that when you are I think in a purely sexual manner no I think in a yeah keep keep going oh, I don't know now <laughs> I think I think pan, be brave I think pansexuality is obviously I think it's valid and I think it's valid in the sphere obviously of inter, like social interaction interpersonal interaction and your personal identity I think when it comes to the physical act of sex, there, there's really only like two things you could have. You you could have the third that thing. You could have the third thing. It's not really true, but keep going. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, I didn't no, mean no, to no, do no, this. No, 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 no. I don't know how to describe this. I, I would. Uh, <laughs> yes and uh-huh. no. Yes and no. I don't know, man. I think. 
What I think Austin, by it was default, epic of you to make Greg go first. I think by by def, by 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 um by proxy, I don't I count as pansexual for being in a relationship with a non-binary person. Oh no! I don't understand. Don't... I okay. I understand mm. what pansexuality is. I understand what mm, bisexuality do you? is. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> you're interested in a romantic and or sexual relationship with um any gender how's that different from bisexual <laughs> greg is like beet red right now but bisexual may or may not include genders that are not he and that are not the cisgenders <laughs> okay. okay, I'm gonna let Cerise uh, jump in. Cerise, all right. Um, <laughs> so I'm so glad that you like Greg go first because if I went first, Greg probably would have just been like, "I agree, I agree with what you said." Because um, I don't know what I'm talking there, about now. Yeah, there's no difference between bisexuals and pansexuals. Pansexuals Ooh. are just bisexuals who are ugly. And <laughs> okay, okay, um, okay. I'm not done. Okay. I'm not done. I'm not done, and I also feel like people use the label pansexual as an excuse to, like, be transphobic because it, like, puts, um, uh, like, trans people or non-binary people or, like, whoever else into a separate, like, third category. I think that bisexual as a term is one that, like, predates the idea of, like, two very like rigid binary genders which is something that like lgbt people just figured out about because they're all cops um <laughs> but like people's gender expression like within like the gay community has always been like very fluid and like it's why um like baby gay people get like well i'm actually not gonna say baby gay people i'm gonna say baby queer and i'm using it as a slur why they get like really like distressed when they hear about like a trans man who like is dating a lesbian or something and they're like how can this possibly be like this doesn't fit my singular definition of like what something is but attraction is complicated and it's just like based on what people look like and that's going to change all the time and i feel like the word bisexual is less about um creating a specific definition of what genders you are like attracted to as much as it is, it is just like signaling what you're open to towards um and when people use pansexual it's like it was like proto sapiosexual i feel um <laughs> like the beginning of that terminology but it it, it it like the the way that i hear it get used often is like putting trans people into like a third category of like i'm attracted to men women and trans people I, it's like it's, calm down i think it gives people an excuse to be a bit of a chaser really yeah interesting no it's it's very like i, I like women and femmes like uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right um i'm gonna i'm gonna give greg a break here and i'm gonna do a silly twitter one so recently, as you are all probably aware, Starbucks has been having a lot of union strikes. There's a wave of Starbucks unionization. Uh, I guess I could have two questions about this. But my first one is, there was recently a picket line where the Starbucks workers were not using, sorry, were not wearing masks outside. And because uh, the Starbucks... Um, like Zoomers who were trying to get in and just get their like secret menu item uh, tried to slither past the you know picket line all sheepishly like I'm so sorry but I need this coffee um, there were some accusations that because the picket line workers were not wearing masks that their union movement was inherently not friendly to disabled people who were trying to you know go into Starbucks anyways so, that's my first question, but Greg, you can go ahead and answer that one first. I went first last Wait, time. Wait, why does Greg... Yeah, I Greg went first last time. Is that Wait, fair? no. That's no, I, I thought... Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Cerise, you go first. Poor Greg. <laughs> <laughs> so many opportunities for you to be canceled in the marketplace of ideas. Um, I think that, like, 
there is a thing that once again, leftist, capital L derogatory, they have this idea in their head of like who the working class is. And they like probably like hold seminars on how to racistly have a one-on-one with like a white worker or something um, where, you know, like it's like they think that like a, a worker is like some uh, like white person in the 1800s, like, that works in a factory, like living like tenement style in a building. And if you like tell them about pronouns, like they're going to immediately like start saying slurs. And I feel like this like uh, prejudice against working class people makes itself known when people are like discussing protests um, or strikes um, where they're like just immediately assuming the the worst intentions. Um people outside don't always wear masks. And like, I think that that even like the recommendation about whether or not you're supposed to is like mixed. So sometimes people maybe want to do the right thing and they don't know what that thing is to do yet. And your job as an organizer could maybe be to tell them like, hey, put on a mask and to assume that like, rather than maybe they don't know that, that they're hostile to disabled people who are somehow separate from workers, which is a fascinating uh, like piece of cognitive dissonance. It's just like very telling to me that like people have not done any actual like worker organizing in their life. They probably only had like, you know, like nephew type, like middle-class jobs. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just like, like uh, very interesting to me. Cause if you've ever done a, a service industry job then you know that like the food service world is full of disabled people and it also like creates disabled people because of the working conditions um but if you don't know that and your only like engagement with like disability politics is when you're defending your right to order groceries on instacart and not tip then i can see how maybe you would assume that starbucks workers hate disabled people because they don't know to wear a mask Okay. Outside. Calm down. <laughs> All right, Greg, you go. I mean, I, I, I completely agree with you. I, I really feel like <laughs> the Twitter the Twitter disability discourse does a dis does a disservice to disability advocacy as a whole. Um, I think the loudest voices in the room on Twitter on things like this are generally the last people you want to talk um, about it. Um, I am not a disabled person. I, I know that. I don't Don't speak- you have the depression? That counts. Does that count? It counts. Okay. It can be debilitating. I guess I have, really I, have hard the, time. I have the mental illness. I got, but, um, yeah. I, I guess so. I guess so. But I don't speak on these issues online. A, because I know I'm not, I know I'm not educated in a way where I can properly advocate for disabled people. Um, but I also know that th- there is a massive, massive gulf between actual disability advocates and people who post on Twitter with their Pie Crew avatar. It, it, it's it's fucking insane. It? I guess so. I'm Pi sorry, crew. did you say Pie Crew? <laughs> why would, <laughs> why would it not be Pick Pick Crew because picture? Because I've never said it out loud before. Okay. 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 That's fine. Um, You're valid. But I... I, I um, you know, there's a wonderful anecdote from a from a man who lived in uh, Cambodia in the 1980s about killing all the people with glasses um, because they do a disservice to the revolution. Um, and I, I really do think, like, D- DSA as a, to- as a whole, I think, has done a disservice um, in actually being an educating force for the working class um, because it is made up of college-educated, professional, white-collar people who have this very literary idea of the left capital L derogatory um, where they want everything to go via like some sort of theory. And I I think you can see this when you, if you ever watched uh, the DSA, a DSA chapter interact with like a local union, it's the most awkward fucking thing ever because these are actual working class people who are welding or building a car or fucking miners of some sort. And it's, then you have them. We're working at Starbucks. We're working at Starbucks. It's like, they, I mean, there's this idea that like, yeah, the working class is like a group totally separate from them, which is, 
I think where their their initial problem is is that they they like think that they're a different thing and they have to like do outreach to the working class as if like I don't know like making sixty five thousand dollars a year at your nephew job um, isn't isn't part of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think it's just it's just this massive disconnect between people who are ostensibly on the left and the people who they want to reach who should be reached. I mean, I agree. Like the working class should be, should be reached out to, but that's, that's us. Yeah. That's us. But that's the thing. It's like, it's, you're the fucking working class. They, they, people treat each other. People who have read one book or who have read fucking the communist manifesto suddenly think that they are the end all be all of the immortal science of Marxism, Leninism. And, try to walk around talking down to their fellow workers because they simply haven't picked up the same books. And I think that's a huge fucking problem. Can I, can I say the thing that I, I always say, um, which, which is that I feel like it, it does smack of Protestantism um, where, you know how like Americans um, don't see themselves as like poor people, even when they're poor Mm -hmm. and they're like, temporarily embarrassed. Right. And so even though, like i don't know these like dsa internet like fake disability politics types are probably just like slightly upper middle class they um like see themselves as more aligned with the ruling class and so when they think about how to do outreach to the working class rather than thinking about talking to their coworkers, they're like thinking about a totally different group of people um because they don't actually have class solidarity mm-hmm. which i think is where like the disability like politics online um, goes often is like it assumes that disabled people are people like uh, paying for a service always rather than the people that are doing that service. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good, good debate. Good fight. Yeah, that yeah, was not a fight really at all, fine. really. So, um, so with <laughs> so that, being so smart. <laughs> so, um, you two sort of went through a lot of like questions that were already going to be asked, sort of or you address them briefly, such as do you really need to read theory to be a communist? And what is the effect that the Protestant work ethic has had on America and the American working class? I think we should do this. I want to answer the theory, theory. I I answer the theory question. question. Oh, you, yeah, you want to? I have okay. something to say. All right, fine. We can uh, dive into this deeper um, is Technically, it it's Greg's term. Yeah, turn. Yeah. No, I don't think you do. I don't, I don't think you need to read a damn thing of theory to be a communist. I think, honestly, you can take a lot of lessons verbally, A, and also a lot of le- lessons through watching others' actions. Um, I, I don't think I picked up a fucking book until I had been ostensibly a communist for more than a year. Uh, I think it's, it's more what you assign moral value to. Um, do you assign moral value to community? Well, then you're already... 50% of the fucking way there, uh, quite honestly. Um, there's a, I think there's a, I think being an educated leftist is a very, very important thing. Um, and I want to say there's a quote from Thomas Sankara about an, un- uh, an uneducated soldier is just a criminal uh, in a uniform. Um, I, I do think that you do need to read theory. I do think theory should be taught. Um, but I... Also, do not think when it comes to actually doing action on the ground, um, you don't need to have memorized capital. You don't need to have memorized much of fucking anything to be acting in in the best interests of society writ large, especially, and maybe this comes from being more of a, I think cadre party politics works pretty well. Under good leadership, you don't always have to be a genius in theory to do what you're supposed to do. Okay. Okay, cool. I'm so glad that we get to disagree. Um, I do think that you need to read theory in order to be a communist. And the fact that this question was phrased leftist slash communist kind of like tells me why or, or like what I need to know. And I guess why I feel this way where I'm not sure if you've read Althusser, but um, he says that ideology is like the lived relation between um, like men and uh, like a reflection of their philosophy. And I think that while you can definitely, I think reading theory we can be broad with and it can maybe also mean like watching 
someone read theory to you, although I don't think that it can be replaced by like documentaries, which are kind of anti-citational by like nature. It's hard to like pause stuff and look things up all the time or like a podcast that's not theory or what, like a, like a YouTube video. Um, but I think that there's ways of getting information besides just reading. But I do think that you need to engage with theory in order to like properly be a communist, which just means like being able to think for yourself. Um, I think it's good to like, I, I think hierarchies are good. And I think it's good to take direction from people and you don't need to know everything. And I think it's important to like, be able to follow the lead of someone that has more experience than you. But I think that um, the mm, absence of the importance of reading theory in like our, the modern left uh, movement in the West is why people are so incoherent and also why um, people like change their minds very quickly about what the right thing to do is. It's, I feel like when uh, I was seeing people post like infographics about anti-blackness in Cuba you know, and like why the United States needs to step in because there's anti-blackness in Cuba. And I think that's the kind of thing that comes out of like maybe not reading imperialism, the highest stage of capital or capitalism. And you don't need to have read everything in order to begin taking action. But I think that the, the practice of like always trying to improve your knowledge so that your action can be better and so that you can like provide meaningful critique is a really important important part of communism and I think also like um as a as a black person I think that uh like literacy and education is something that like black people and other colonized people have been deprived of and it is um has been like the backbone of a lot of like black revolutionary groups um is like reading theory and getting everyone on board I don't think it needs to be an elitist thing I think it's silly to make fun of someone for not having read something yet like help them learn (laughs) Um, but I feel like more often it's people very loud being like, I don't need to read because I already do stuff. And then the thing that they do is like post infographics. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with you. I think I, I think in my, in my opinion, it feels kind of more like we disagree on like the, I guess like the initial stages. Cause I do think that if you want to be an actual communist and let's say you want to post online about it even though in my opinion, I really feel like posting is probably one of the least efficient forms of actually spreading the good word. Um, I think you do need to be educated. You need to read because you're right. You're completely right. The loudest voices in the room on Twitter on whatever are usually people who haven't read a damn thing and are going off of infographics they've seen, or they're going off of quite honestly, bad, dishonest or, pure propagandized information that makes the left continually look worse. Um, But they're not just on Twitter too, because I think that like when people join real life organizing spaces and they come with just a bunch of like nonsense terminology, it's because they like picked up what they think is like, uh, you know, leftist theory, whatever that means, but like through other people that don't know what they're talking about or just through like memes or Twitter or yeah. like yeah. Hassan or something. Yeah. And um, it, it ends up derailing really important work um, when it, it is useful to like critique things that are taking place, but it is not useful to come in and be like, I don't think that what we're doing is intersectional enough. And then you're like, okay, how can we make it more intersectional? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, and maybe you'd have an idea if you uh, no. had, had picked up a book it's also how we learn from people's mistakes. Like if the Soviet Union was bad, for example, like how can we do something better? Yeah. And I really think that's how you run into this thing you see online where everything I don't like is white and everything I do like is indigenous, but there's no real analysis behind that. Honestly, I feel that way. Everything I don't like is white. <laughs> everything, I do, everything I do like is black. <laughs> well, I actually, like speaking of a... that... Okay, go um, ahead, moderator. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to yeah. cut this one short because there's a bit too much agreeing starting to happen. Nice. Um so, I am going to do one more I'm going to do one serious question and then we're going to delve into 
Let's do uh, race wait. politics. Let's wait. do race wait. politics. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Let's go back for one minute because I have a I have a question I want to ask you. <sighs> okay, fine. Just make it quick though. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the theory, I would agree with you on most the majority of aspects. I think we probably disagree on a, a couple of smaller points. I would ask you though, and I, at least in my personal, I guess, journey of reading and learning. Um, I have found that understanding history from a Marxist perspective is a lot more important in some ways than actually sitting down and reading, let's say, two tactics. Uh, I think understanding history might be a better, a more pivotal thing in understanding colonialism and the West in general. Would you, would you agree? Mm, I guess, like, I, I think that you're right. And but I also think that the ability to like critically read history and then also like being able to read stuff that's not written by people that are smart, because sometimes uh, like you like, I don't know, sometimes the history book that is the best researched is written by someone that's very stupid or that has like a silly conclusion. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, having a good like analytical framework is really important for approaching reading history, but it's probably better to do that than to continually read like i don't know like foucault yeah or like whatever it is that you know and and not that that's bad but just uh if you're looking to like improve a movement or learn from like past mistakes definitely reading history and also like being being aware of uh like global um like imperialism and not just like what happens in the united states um i think you're right so we both got to be right yeah this is just what it's like at the family dinner, probably, right? Yeah, it's never yeah. like my this. family. It's never like this. Is my family <laughs> is all Marxist, so this is actually what it's like for me. Oh, that's but not. I don't know. If, <laughs> no, mine is all. Um, well, I, I mean, I feel like I've made good progress. I went turned my dad from a Republican to a Bernie guy, which I feel like is a step. Um, but, it uh, could be a step, maybe. But my mom is my I mom mean, is a total MAGA person. Oh. Yeah. Damn, I feel like Bernie's taking the place of like Ron Paul for some. Yeah, you know, like for for the Republicans that are not that like deep into racism, it's like they just want to be a libertarian. Yeah, and I think that Bernie like can appeal to that, which yeah. is not like you didn't do a good job, yeah. but I think that's why he had a lot of crossover appeal. He's Ron Paul too, yeah. and not Rand. Rand Paul is not Ron Paul no. too. Absolutely. I hope not. his neighbor fights him again. <laughs> I hope his neighbor beats the oh, shit out of him. His neighbor hits him with a brick next time. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do. Um, how about this? Stance on pornography. Is it inherently morally wrong or can it be eyebrow raise feminist in certain contexts? Uh, Cerise, let's hear you first. Ha 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 ha. Okay, cool. I can't wait for Greg to answer this question. Um, I almost, I almost went, can can I make Greg answer it first? Yeah, I can answer. It. Yeah, okay, yeah. Greg, cool. I actually, I actually learned a lot from the last time we barely touched on this subject in like the first crossover episode, where I had a more shaky opinion on it. Porn okay. bad. Porn not good. I, I I do not think porn can be moral in, in any regard. On. Um, I think it is a vice. I think it is inherently exploitative. Um, and I, I really don't think that there's a moral way to to produce it, honestly. It is inherently coercive. Oh, I, I'm, I thought we were going to get to fight. Oh. Um, <laughs> Hold on, let me have a bad opinion. Porn is so good. No, <laughs> no I, I wouldn't like that. Um, that would make me sad. I think that there are like people who are porn industry workers that don't necessarily have like really dangerous or harmful working conditions. And I'm glad for them. I know people like that do porn that are friends of mine and like aren't suffering every day. Um, but I think that just like because some workers have decent working conditions is uh, like separate from the impact that it has on people and also... I, I really feel like people are not um, aware, I guess, of like how much uh, exploitation and like suffering goes into the production of pornography. I have a friend who is like fairly successful and like um, 
I don't know how famous really anyone that does poor like I don't know what the tears are and I'm not um I'm not I'm not following her her porn Instagram or Twitter because I don't want to see her replies but um something that she's told me and she's like a fairly successful like sought after like highly paid um like has a lot of autonomy performer is that sometimes she will agree to do a scene with someone and then um show up to set to do that scene and then the person for whatever reason has to like call out or isn't available and sometimes instead of canceling it like the producers will bring in a different person and um sometimes that's a person that she's cool with sometimes it's not like and when you're new to the industry if you're in that position how you know how how much do you feel like you can say no and that's a i think like a really small example of like the kind of um suffering that you end up seeing on camera that like doesn't make uh itself known to you is like you don't know how much consent was given in this situation another is that like a lot of what's on pornhub is like revenge porn um or or child pornography and it um I think encourages you to view people in a necessarily like objectified way where it's like if someone is attractive they're not just described as like attractive person it'll be like teen and then it will describe their body in a way that is dehumanizing um and so I I think it teaches people to like look at others through a very um dehumanizing lens and I think that like having an issue with the consumption of porn is not the same thing as having an issue with like sex workers who want to improve their working conditions and i uh find it very like disingenuous when people make the argument about that and and a lot of the people doing that are those uh only fans girls who are like very in control of of their work um, and are like, you know, in like the top 1% or whatever it is that they brag about. So it's like you're high earning, you are not in the same sort of position as like other people who are having to deal with like a boss. Um, and you're taking up a lot of space in like this discussion about how this kind of work can be exploitative. But I'm also like uh, reticent about like any regulations on the porn industry, because I think it just gets used to like incarcerate people. And so I think my view is that you shouldn't watch it, you shouldn't consume it, but you should support the people that like do that for work. And I think the way that we can like move into a world where people are not exploited in that industry is just by like overcoming uh, global misogyny, but not like, I don't know, like passing laws being like porn is illegal or like let's shut down Pornhub yeah. or whatever. I, I think, um, and just, like I completely agree with you. And I think also to just like touch on some of the evils of it, like, it, open up Pornhub, if you're at home, open it up. Do <laughs> Don't do um, that, hold um, on, don't listen to me. No, Greg. no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm making a point. Open it up, the, the top, like, fucking 15 fucking videos are all gonna be something horrifying. Porn, like, in the way it's designed, I guess, you could say in the modern era, but forever, is inherently very violent, um, it encourages like rape culture, I think. Um, it also, there's also a lot of other things that we can say that we can probably maybe have a debate about. There's a lot of, a lot of race I... play going on Ooh. in porn. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of things that are inherently incredibly taboo that are exist mm -hmm. within it, that encourage that type of behavior, um, that exists. I have a Dworkin quote. Okay. Okay, yeah. I have a Dworkin quote. And then, I mean, I guess I guess we're in agreement, so we win. Um, <laughs> but it uh, any any violation of and we can we can replace woman with like people, but I think also, you know, woman. Any violation of a woman's body can become sex for men. This is the essential truth of pornography. Um, and pornography is the essential sex sexuality of male power, of hate, of ownership, of hierarchy, of sadism, of dominance. And that's like not to say that all porn is like displaying that, but that a lot of it is put on display for like entertainment and consumption is um, something that I think people need to be a bit more critical of besides just being like, uh, let's put that under the umbrella of not criticizing kink. Like um, I think people should listen to sex workers about how to support them as workers and how to make sure that their industry isn't like, exploiting them but i think it is also uh, a bit ridiculous when people try to make the argument that because some people find it empowering 
it is not like a form of work that is uh like that should be free from critique and it mm-hmm. sucks that like the people that are most adamantly like criticizing porn are uh like mormons and like people that don't actually care about misogyny or exploitation okay let me throw uh let me throw one modification in here and you sort of touched on this earlier but what do we feel about the difference between sex workers and only fans content creators is there a difference and how big is that difference um do you want me to go or do you want to go or austin you're in charge i'm sorry um greg you can go I personally don't know how to answer this question. To be quite honest, I, I think both are both. I think both are sex workers. I think mm-hmm. they, like the difference between a, a a porn star and uh, an OnlyFans worker, like Cerise touched on before, is generally like an OnlyFans sex worker is is generally generally more in control of what they're doing. And so that can So you're saying that they're a porn a capitalist is what you're saying. No, I think <laughs> it's more like I think it's more like the difference between like an Applebee's waitress and a DoorDash driver. Yeah. Where it's like it's kind of it's the same work but like one is like through the like gig economy and the other one is through like uh maybe not a, like a more traditional employment model cuz like they're not uh always uh you know getting to sign like W9s. Um, or actually, I think not ever, but it's still like your work is being determined for you by a boss. Um, but OnlyFans is really bad. If you're like thinking about camming, I would maybe find a different platform to do it on. They take like 50% of your earnings. Um, mm. It's it's not good on there. It's very hard to make money. The reason everyone is always like, I'm in the top 5% is because there's so many people on there that if you have like any amount of like uh i don't know like followers it's it's pretty easy to be up top it's like no offense gorilla radio show and big story naturals are in like the top five percent of all podcasts and that's not like it's not like a huge thing we've we've got we've got like millions and millions of listeners it's just there's a lot of podcasts that have no listeners um so and and i think like OnlyFans isn't free from exploitation either. I think there was something recently about someone's like husband like making her do like OnlyFans stuff. Yeah, I think. But But I I guess it's like the same kind of thing is definitely happening on OnlyFans, and um, I think that uh, it it just like comes back to like worker solidarity, where um, many people that do OnlyFans don't see themselves as sex workers, and so they don't necessarily have like solidarity with other workers um that are in the same industry as them but doing different jobs um and it leads to like a lot of muddled conversation and i know what i'm talking about and i'm i'm never going to like uh reveal my life history to explain why but i do know what i'm talking about um so if anyone is like you can't have an opinion about sex work unless you've done it i think you should kill yourself and send me send me photos as you're doing it okay yeah, I, I agree with fucking shotgun. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So we're getting close to the hour mark. So I want to I want to start doing something spicy to entice okay. people to continue listening to the other half on okay. whichever feed either. Do you happens. think you're gonna get a question where we disagree? Um I don't know, but yeah, I come uh, on. Try it. Try it. Um I don't know if you I don't think Greg is brave enough to uh, disagree with with anything Aww. in terms of race because I feel I mean I feel like that's just a dangerous. This is our our ethnic geoguesser savant, and he won't take a stance on race. I'll take a <laughs> stance on race. I don't think I have bad takes on race. I don't okay, know what well, okay, and fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, Greg is the white working class. We scratch him, and he's just gonna start staying serious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You scratch me a little, that rebel also, flag starts showing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, Actually, the calipers come out. Mm, I, I want to do something like controversial, but I feel Ask like... Ask question, Austin. Okay, fine. Um, you, you said earlier to do questions from Black Twitter, if I'm going to be doing Twitter questions. So... There's an there's an easy mode and a hard mode of this question. <laughs> so um, it has to do with uh, mixed race people specifically. So this could be interesting. <laughs> so the easy mode cool. of this question is a is a time honored debate. Is 
is Obama really the first black president or is he the first mixed president? The hard oh. mode is it, uh, Zendaya recently won like an Oscar or Grammy or some shit, whatever the fuck that is. And people are saying Zendaya is not the first black woman to earn that award. She's the first mixed woman to earn that award. So I'm going Zendaya's to... <laughs> I'm going. I'm, yeah, right. That's true. I mean, I don't know. Anyways, um, Greg, do you want oh, to start yeah, Greg. off? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's do Greg. And uh, yeah, okay. You have thirty seconds before we can. No, Obama's bold. <laughs> Interesting. Obama's okay. bold. I think he's bold. He is the first. Can you explain? He is the first black president. He's he's black. He's also mixed. I think it's not really a question anyone can answer other than Barack Obama. You can ask him what his opinion on it is. Does he consider himself black as his identity or does he consider himself mixed as his identity? I think that's a person-to-person thing. It's not a question I could answer. I I would say he's both. I'd say he's the first black president because we've never had a president who's even half black before him. I think that's his honor to have. Wasn't there like Alexander Hamilton or something? No, he wasn't president. He wasn't president. He's just on the ten dollar okay. bill. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm gonna like make like a fake uh, suspenseful moment before we cut. Oh, okay. Uh, cue the cue the Kill Bill siren. So, Greg, you said you should ask Obama for his opinion. Does that mean you don't think race is a social construct? Um. 